everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Amen, indeed. Y'all can take a seat. Good morning. My name is Steph. It is good to see so many of you here this morning. I'm on staff at the Vineyard. Just excited to welcome you. If you are newer with us or if you just have never filled one out, there's an info table with connect cards in the lobby. You can sign up for our weekly email. You can get more information about who we are here at the Vineyard or you can do that online on our website at csvineyard.org. Um, were you here last week? God Story Sunday? That was a good week, wasn't it? I, I see some people nod. Um, that took a lot of courage, but we just had a steady flow of people coming through and sharing about experiences with God um, in really hard situations or in really just good moments of life. And we get to continue that in a little bit of a different format. Like Steve already said, today is the first of our TED Talk Sundays, where each Sunday we'll have three people from our church family um, come up and share um, an interest or um, just a time in their life where God has been really present or a perspective on the world that is influenced by their journey with God. And we're excited for that. Um, it takes a lot of courage, so don't be shy with your applause and with your cheers and with your smiles as you're sitting and listening. Um, those folks are ready to, to share with you today. Um, and again, we'll hear from three different people and then we'll worship some more and we'll close it out with communion to hold all of our stories and the stories that um, God is writing and will continue to write. Um, first up today is Linda Cernig. Linda, you can make your way up here. Um, I do have notes for everyone's introductions because I realized between the three of them today, there's a lot of spouses and kids and siblings to keep straight, so uh, I don't want to mix folks up. Um, but Linda is married to Doug. Um, they live in Downingtown, have three kids, Stefan and Micah, who are college students, and then Jonah, who is a rising eighth grader. Grades are also confusing for me, so I have to look at those too. Uh, Linda's homeschooled her kids for 15 years and just last year went back to teaching and loves it almost as much as homeschooling. We won't tell your students that you really enjoyed being with your kiddos in school um, better. We are excited to hear from her today. She, um, Some of her interests are reading, being outside, nature, gardening, cooking, and deep conversations, and her family has been with us um, since about 2008. 18. And uh, for our personal connection, Linda is one of the reasons that I'm at the Vineyard. So I'm excited for all of us to hear from her today. Take it away. Thanks, Steph. Um. All right. Good morning. Okay. Um, beauty. When you hear this word, what comes to mind? Perhaps a gorgeous fiery sunset or an exquisite piece of music, maybe a person or a work of art or a landscape or a photo that just made you stop and gaze. Think for a moment about something you consider beautiful. God made that. God has made every beautiful thing, everything you love that draws out your heart, 
was made by our God. Look for the beautiful and the good. This statement is actually an answer to a question, a really good question, so I'm going to explain. I have a good friend who is a lawyer, and she is one of my heroes because she works with abused and exploited children in the greater Philadelphia area. Uh, she goes to places and she hears stories that demonstrate some of the worst parts of our human family. She faces evil and she seeks justice. During my friend's uh, legal training, she did an internship with a well-known Christian psychologist and author. And um, this psychologist specializes in the area of trauma recovery. So during my friend's internship, she um, relayed this story to me. She asked this really good question to her mentor. How does one endure um, facing all of this evil and suffering for an entire career? And her mentor's answer, look for the beautiful and the good. Now, you may not work with victims of abuse on a daily basis, but I know that you have experienced suffering. And how do I know that? Because you are human, like me. And you live in a fallen world, just like me. And you, like me, face your own battles of flesh and spirit and truth and lies. We have all experienced trauma of some sort in our lives. I'll call those things arrows. And the assaults, these arrows, of this world just keep coming, don't they? We are over two years through a worldwide pandemic um, that still doesn't seem over. And initially, we faced so much uncertainty, remember? Um, there was this very real threat of death and since then, we have found our way forward, but at a cost. We have all experienced losses of some sort through the pandemic. And we might be a little more tired than we were before, right? We are navigating these difficult days of political polarization that has really divided families and churches and friendships. Add to this the pace of life, the information overload, the burdens of life, and sometimes it just seems like too much to bear, doesn't it? Suffering is unavoidable, so how do we carry on? How do we carry on? Well, there are lots of answers to that and lots of ways you can find temporary relief. Some healthy, not, some not so healthy. Um, Netflix, a glass of wine, a good workout, coffee with a friend, scrolling through social media, ice cream, Ben and Jerry's is our family's favorite. Um, but how do we carry on? I'd like to offer an answer to that question. We carry on by staying connected to God, by prioritizing our life with God, who is the source of our life and our resiliency. There are lots of ways that we can care for our souls. Bible reading, prayer, contemplation, silence, service even. But I just want to focus on one thing today, one way that the shepherd of our souls restores our souls over and over again, as Psalm 23 says. One way that he restores our souls is through beauty. 
A few years ago, um, God nudged me to become more of a noticer. I think I'm naturally bent that way because I'm a creative person, but um, my life had become extremely full and busy. Um, the arrows that I talked about earlier, they were coming, and they kept coming. <laughs> and I was slipping. So uh, this idea of margin, adding intentional rest spaces into my life rhythms became critical if I was to stay in the game for the long haul. So I started painting, and I started using my time in the car more intentionally, and I started taking regular morning walks. At the same time, a friend of mine uh, was posting on social media these gorgeous photos of her garden, um, like close-ups of flowers and butterflies and birds, and I thought, I could try that. I could just try noticing and, and maybe taking some photos. So instead of just going for a walk in the morning and letting my mind wander or even intentionally praying, I would just notice. And a funny thing happened. God showed up. He surprised me. He began to literally stop me in my tracks and take my breath away with the beauty of his created world. I started capturing what I noticed with my phone camera. There's a few photos up here. Um, I found joy in anticipating what God would show me on my walks. And every day was pretty much the same route, but within a mile and a half of my home or so, but every day was sort of an adventure and there was something new and beautiful to see, to hear, or to experience. I started to see how beauty was one way God was rescuing my heart, one way that he cared for my soul, one way that I could stay connected to him, the source and the creator of every beautiful thing. The temptation, the counterfeit of Satan, is to worship the creation rather than the creator. But if beauty can lead us back to the creator and provoke in us awe and wonder and worship, then it has done what it was intended to do. Another one of my heroes, um, John Eldridge from Wild at Heart, did a series of podcasts on this a few years ago, and he helped me understand better the power of beauty. He said this, in this moment of soul care, and resiliency, let beauty into your soul. When it comes to you, receive it for the gift that it is. Not just, oh, that's nice, but rather receive it. Father, I receive this beauty for the gift that it is. I let it into my soul. So what might this look like in everyday life? Well, it's just noticing. And sometimes you don't even need words. Sometimes it's just letting those things bring you to God. Or it could be saying, thank you for making this bird, this flower, these colors, this variety. I receive this as the gift that it is. Thank you. Or I let go of all my cares right now, and I'm just in this moment right now with you, God. What else do you have for me? What else do you want to say to me? I want to be clear that I'm not talking about um, toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is avoiding bad feelings 
It's trying to be positive in a way that suppresses what is true. Instead, I am suggesting that because we acknowledge the suffering in the world and that we are deeply affected by sin and by death, we choose to look for the beautiful and the good. It's an intentional practice to care for our souls. Beauty reminds us of where we come from, Eden, the paradise of God, mankind's first home where we were whole and free and unashamed. And beauty reminds us of where we are going, the glorious future of the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation 21 says, and let this sink in, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This future hope that beauty reminds us of is possible because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Beauty connects us to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who has made everything beautiful that we enjoy. So in conclusion, I would just like us to imagine what might happen in our community in if we, all together, as the people of God, slowed down to notice and take in beauty, how might you see the world differently? How would you see the people around you differently? How might it cur curtail our constant complaining? How might taking in the beauty increase our capacity for hope? How might beauty grow within yourself? There's a saying that we become what we behold. And as we continue to face a sea of troubles and carry the wounds from the errors of this world, give it a try. Just slow down and let God rescue and heal your heart. Let the shepherd restore your soul. Look for him in the beautiful and the good and see what he might have for you, what he might say to you. So look for him, and I guarantee you'll find him in the beautiful and the good. Thank you.
Thank you, Linda. Let's give it up again for Linda. I was, uh, we're not going to do a whole lot of Q&A, but just let those messages that are being shared this morning just stand for themselves, take some time to reflect. Um, now, throughout the rest of the service, maybe some of the questions that Linda asked already prompted something in you. Feel free to journal or just uh, sit with God with those. Um, I am excited to invite up our next speaker, Grayson Weller. Come on up, Grayson. We've got this ready for you. I had a chance to share housing with Grayson and some of his family during the regional conference. So uh, it's been fun to get to know him a little bit. And I can tell you that he is part of a big family. He's the only boy of Joanna and Justin Weller, has three sisters, two older ones, younger one, um, and two pets. And he, um, I'm going to read a little bit of what your parents told me about you. So I hope that's okay and not too terribly awkward. It's all good things. I think sometimes it's really nice if we hear the good things that our parents say about us. Um, his family thinks, and I think they're right, that um, he is talented in so many things. And one of his many gifts is his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. The way he looks at the world, the way he has a talent for seeing the connections in the beauty. There's that word again. Um, pay attention this morning to the themes that are repeating um, the beauty and the people around him. Grayson will be a sixth grader this fall at Phoenixville Area Middle School. Um, and your family can't wait to see what God will continue to do through his life at home, at church, at school, and in the world. And I forgot to mention earlier, I think we have some of the fourth through sixth graders with us today. They'll be joining us. So it's, it's good to not only hear from the adults, but to remember that God works um, in our lives at any age. So we'll hear from Grayson next. All right. Hello. Hold on. Hello, my name is Grayson Weller, and I want to help you understand something. Some say life is a box of chocolate, oh, chocolate, or a box of crayons, but I see it as this. Say there's two cups of water, both clean, then you sin, and dirt comes into your cup. When you accept God, you pour the clean into the dirty cup. Still, there's dirt, but not as much as God. <clears throat> there's more sin, and you can add more sin, and you can add more God. But you cannot take sin away because you are not the perfect lamb, and you will never be. But you are in a battle, not one man to man, but against the curveball that the devil throws to get your mind off of God. I felt this at the meeting in New Jersey. It was to go in the service and worship God or play Nintendo with my friends. Yes, I did not have a choice, but I saw Nintendo or God. But in the moment, I saw Nintendo or parent stuff. And I I know a kid who sees it that way will choose Nintendo naturally. But while I was in the service, I felt so alive. And hope with this to you feel alive. Now, I have just a few things that Ashley, want, Ashley wanted me to put in. 
<clears throat> be prepared. Eh, I'm not gonna read it. <laughs> it's too much. Thank you, Grayson. That was very brave to come on up, and I think we may just hear Ashley one year coming up, giving her own TED Talk. Huh? Um, noticing the presence of God and choosing God over Nintendo, even if it's prompted by our parents or those around us. Those are good, good things to do, good things to reflect on. Our next speaker um, coming up is Maria Murray. She's making her way to the front. Uh, she is married to Ed, mother to awesome young adults, Elijah and Camille, who we heard from last week at God's Story Sunday. Uh, Maria and Ed are life group leaders in Pottstown. They moved there in May of 2020 to pursue the nudge from the Holy Spirit to church plant, just as, as we've heard before, the pandemic changed all of our lives. Um, Maria is an obstetrician gynecologist, and she's practiced in Pottstown in that area since about 2000. Um, she'll soon be taking on a new role of empty nester, um, and she'll figure out what that actually means when the time comes. Give it away for Maria. It's not too bad. I've been asked to do this like three years in a row. All right, so. On May 9th, I walked out of my office after 28 years of practicing obstetrics and gynecology. I was done. Life at I, at that, as I had known it, the comfortable, the warmth was no more, or so I thought. It was like the end of one of those Marvel movies, those sneak peek post credit scenes that you get, and you're on the edge of your seat, and you're anticipating, and you're engaged, and you're energized, and you're just waiting because it's the, press, the precedent of the next sequel, and then it fades to black. And that's how I felt life as an obstetrician, in my experience, was. As after one of those short clips, sometimes I felt anxious and disappointed, angry and frustrated and a little sad because I have to wait for when the next Marvel movie is released. The practice of medicine had brought those same emotions. I was feeling anxious, disappointed, angry, frustrated, and sad. So let me explain to you how I got to such a low place, how I felt like my life had just cut to black, how I was viewing my life through those experience, of the, through the lens of those uh, emotions. Let's start with my patients. I was anxious and sad for them. It led to frustration of not knowing even how to help them. Since the beginning of COVID pandemic, the time that I send, spend in the room during a routine annual exam has gone from pleasantries of catching up on life. How's Johnny and Susie? What vacations have you been on lately? I've gotten so many vacation tips from my patients to now a, th a um, therapy session, an ear beating of complaining of how everything in their life is not well, is not good. Some of them have lost loved ones through death. Some of them are estranged from their family members, some separated and even divorced. 
It's led to a level of anxiety they had never seen before. Their children are depressed, they're unemployed, they're working from the isolation of their homes. They barely have time during this session to tell me about their obstetrical and gynecological concerns. I have essentially gotten on-the-job training to become a gynecologist. <laughs> but I really do care about the mind, body, soul, and spirits of my patients. And that was my motivation for leaving a practice in Pottstown in 2014 and opening up my own. And I prayed on what I was going to call it. And it was Total Woman Health and Wellness OBGYN. I was really invested in the whole body, spirit, mind of women. But I had come to a place that I never thought I would admit. I just didn't care. The voice of the woman across the room sounded like blah, 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 blah. And I would force a smile watching the clock till I could just take a minute to interject a few questions about their concerns, complete the exam, and jet out of the room. And the minute I closed the door, the weight of the guilt and shame was heavy. Let's talk about the office staff. They weren't any better. They were grating my nerves like chalk or nails on the chalkboard. The employees, many of them, who had just struggled through a pre-pandemic drastic change as medicine has become a business that seems more like a corporation. Individual medical practices are morphing into large multi-site corporate-owned care centers that has led to a different work environment. We've lost that family feeling in our office. We are managed by private equity firms with corporate policies, procedures, and protocols. HRIT, hierarchy of managers that report to the E-suite leaders who would not even be recognized if they walked through the doors of our office. The theory behind all this is to improve patient experience. However, many of the staff sometimes see that the patient isn't always prioritized. And then comes the unprecedented shutdown. They watch some of their team members be laid off, leaving them to take on additional responsibilities while also bearing the brunt of the high-intensity anxiety of the patients that oftentimes came to them through verbal abuse, disrespect, and entitlement. A far cry from the words of thank you and appreciation. And if they even so much as responded, Unintentionally, just emotionally, they were the ones that were reprimanded. They were feeling so beat up emotionally that they had reached a breaking point. And I had to, and I had to unhappy and complaining. My wavering burnout, coupled with the pressure of some family issues that I had been experiencing and I'm still dealing with, had stirred up a spirit of bitterness, disappointment, and a forced lack of compassion, and I was done, and it wasn't pretty. Let's now just talk about a little bit about the, the state of medicine, my biggest frustration. And I know this sounds so down, but it's going to get better. There are days when I'm so unenthused, overwhelmed with patient care. I'm from the generation, I finished my residency in 1999, the time when there were small individual family-owned or small individual private-owned uh, practices. Smaller groups then became larger groups. The private practices were then bought by healthcare systems. 
healthcare systems merged with other healthcare systems. And as I mentioned, private equity groups are now coming in to save those struggling practices that will grab at anything to stay afloat. I'm the generation that was forced from using a paper chart and a pen to write down the notes during the visits with my patients to now spending more time hunting and pecking, scrolling and clicking, staring at the screen, trying to allow for the patient to know that I do know she's in the room. Because of course, my experience of typing was a 12th grade elective on an actual typewriter. As the patient stares at my head and I'm trying to gather my thoughts, I'm more concerned with making sure I'm clicking the right uh, items in order to match the appropriate diagnosis code in order to submit the claim that will return the uh, payment all in a timely fashion. I then spend extra time after hours to recheck those notes to be sure that they are correct. Because deep down inside, I know that there are company metrics that look at this as productivity and base my performance. The implementation of electronic medical records has devalued the communication between doctors and patients to a point of just becoming simply impersonal. We answer test results through messages, we respond to messages through patient portals, we send messages to our staff, to our nurses. I can be in the office right next door and I'm sending a message to someone when I can simply get up and just walk. So with all of that, the amount of time I'm spending answering messages and typing and clicking, I was becoming anxious and angry. I could never catch up. Every time I rebooted the computer, my anxiety rebooted as I looked at the number of messages in the inbox. Gone are the days that I could have a pile of charts, do my work, and leave them. And the worst part of it is the laptop is portable, so it follows you wherever you go. So back to the afternoon of May 19th, I had just left a doctor's appointment with my dad, who was recently diagnosed with brain cancer, and it did not go well. I got in the car, I was an hour late, I called the office to let the receptionist know that I was about an hour late, and her stressful day collided with my stressful day, and there was no WWJD. It was WWMD, and it wasn't good. So I immediately called Ed, explained to him what had happened, and I said, you know, I think I need some FMLA, and I just ran on and on. The point was in Philadelphia, drove all the way to Pottstown. I don't think he got a word in edgewise until finally he said, hon, I don't really think it works that way. I think you're going to have to use vacation first and then FMLA, but I support you in whatever you want to do. I walked into the office. I apologized to the receptionist because it was not pretty, the conversation we had had. And I composed myself enough to finish out my hours, and I left with the stupid laptop in my bag. It was around this same time Amos asked me for the third or fourth time to do one of these TED Talks. And I was in a bind because last year I promised him the next year is going to be the year. But it was all in God's plan because as I was preparing for this talk and looking for scripture, one was highlighted. Matthew 9, 35 to 37. He used this to remind me that the Lord created me on purpose for a purpose, meaning he has a purpose for my life and how my faith in him has guided me through this journey. And that would be what called me back to work after only two weeks. Matthew 9, 35, 37 reads, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness, 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. This passage revealed three things to me about Jesus. It revealed to me how Jesus discerns that people are confused and helpless. He has a deep compassion for them, and he imparts great hope to them. The Holy Spirit reminded me that through my faith in him, he gives me the power of his discernment, the power to have his compassion and to impart his hope in his name. So how does that then connect with getting me back to work? Many times I discern or I seek discernment of my patient's spiritual condition as I enter the exam room, and I prepare to ask my questions. As he reveals to me her spiritual ailments, I then have a more clear insight as to what could be the source of her physical ailment in order to make a sound diagnosis. Additionally, when I encounter a highly intense emergency situation, I call on the Holy Spirit, sometimes out loud, and I have done this in the middle of a delivery, for a clear mind and a steady hand and his wisdom and discernment to make life-saving decisions in a split second. The coolest times are when I'm in surgical procedures and I have come this close from making a human error. And suddenly, I see things differently, I make a decision that takes a different course of action, and I ultimately avoid a surgical complication. I know that it was his Holy Spirit discernment that led me back to the work, to work with people that I just was coming to a point that I just did not like. I had minimal grace and mercy for them. I took some time to think about why I show up every day, and night to work, and I was able to answer the question through the lens of Jesus. And it answered, and I said to myself, it's to honor God through my actions and deeds. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I had lost sight of that mission and purpose. And once he revealed it to me through that scripture, I connected my job with God's kingdom and I started to feel more fulfilled and content. The compassion, it says Jesus had compassion for them. I always felt that I had a little extra dose of compassion, but it was the, I feel sorry for you kind of compassion. I suppose to want to be a physician, one must have some level of compassion, but as my relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit has grown deeper, so has my compassion for others. I will admit, I'm not so sure that compassion was top of the list when I chose medicine of a, as a career. It fell just below lifestyle and financial security and social status. But of course, you don't admit that at the medical school interviews. Couldn't they see that I was a person who cared and wanted to help people? That was always the generic answer. Wasn't it obvious? But it was not until I started feeling a deep, compelling care for others particularly my patients, and I felt and witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit. The compassion that I feel now is more Christ-like, a tearing of the heart, true caring, deeply seated in my emotions as I respond to the need of others. My family will attest to you that I do not have the best memory. Ed's always reminding me of things that I just can't even pull out. 
this was proven the other night when we had a family text of, what are we gonna have for dinner? Everyone responded to my text, I placed the order, and didn't I forget Elijah's meal? And he was the one who responded first. And it hasn't gotten any better over the age of 50. Can I get an amen from the women in the room who are over 50? <laughs> but I have a clear understanding as to why that is. But Ed reminded me as we were preparing for this scripture of some of the things that I have done for my patients out of compassion. He told me that I actually took a patient back and forth to her appointments one time. I have no remembrance of that, but I can imagine I did it. Just this, two, this past week, the Lord recently highlighted two patients who also shared with me story of where I had shown some uh, compassion. I just saw a patient uh, who's at the near end of her pregnancy, um, going into the room, doing my routine visits, my first time seeing her, which was ironic, because we try to see each all the patients equally. So she's at the end of the pregnancy, and I'm asking her questions, and I just kind of see something in her face, and she stops. And she said, you probably don't remember me, but I met you in the emergency room about a year and a half ago. I was having a miscarriage. You took care of me, and you were so kind and encouraging. She's in her 40s, so she's considered high risk. And then she told me, I said to her, the good news is that you were able to conceive, and that gives us hope it can happen again. And she said she hung on those words until she's now almost due to deliver now. I didn't remember her, but what I do recall is a year and a half ago when we confirmed it was December 2020, and we know what was happening in the healthcare and the hospitals at that time and the deaths of COVID. But I was happy to hear that through all of that, she encountered Jesus's compassion through my interaction with her at that moment. And again, I realized I needed to return to work to serve my patients who are feeling helpless and confused, like those in the crowds, like Jesus, and show them this compassion, Jesus's compassion. As I mentioned, I told her you would have hope, hope that this would happen again. The same hope that Jesus gave those who were like sheep without a shepherd. He urged his disciples at that point to pray that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest by giving his disciples authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. They got to do the stuff, as we say in the vineyard. And as a disciple, we also get to do the stuff. I have to say that I feel honored and blessed that I've been given that authority by Jesus and also his gift of scientific knowledge that allows man to better understand the workings of the body that he created. This enables me not only to provide medical cures, but also physical and spiritual healings through his power. So when I enter the exam room, the delivery room, the emergency room, and the operating room, I rely on all that Jesus has given me, along with the presence of the Holy Spirit, to lead me to do what I need to do. This gives me hope that I can make a difference in people's lives, as well as show them the hope that is in Jesus when you follow him. It's hope that will help them feel better with appropriate medical treatment, hope that a complicated pregnancy will have a good outcome if they comply to the recommendations, hope that they can overcome anxiety and depression with medication, counseling, and prayer, hope that when the fear takes over them in the preoperative area before surgery, they know that their surgeon is prayed up and has invited the Holy Spirit into the operating room and that I do not take the trust that they've put in me for granted one bit.
So again, my faith in Jesus has encouraged me, empowered me, and entrusted me to walk back into that office because my hope is in him, and I trust him with my future. He has created me for such a time as this, and by his authority and with his fruits of his spirit, I must continue to do his work. I have to admit, I didn't regret, I don't regret the two weeks. It was very nice to be able to spend with my dad and help him to feel better during a tough time of chemotherapy. It gave me time to rest and remove myself from the negative distractions in the office and allow the anxiety, the disappointment, the anger, the frustration, and the sadness to be removed and refilled with his discernment, his compassion, and his hope of Jesus Christ. So now back to the Marvel post-clip credit, post-credit clip. The next time I've left hanging after it cuts to black, I'll be remembered or reminded of the day that I walked out as compared to the day that I walked in. And I will hopefully have the discernment, compassion, and hope as I patiently wait for the next Marvel box office release. <laughs> Thank you. Maria. Can we say thank you again to Linda, Grayson, Maria? Thank you all so much for sharing today. Um, as the worship team comes back up, um, just continue to reflect, remember, um, think of stories that God is writing in your own lives, and uh, let's worship. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.